I think we'll start now. I know that people uh, will continue to come because the traffic is December traffic, and it it's, takes a little longer to get here now. Uh, my name is Susan Sontag, and uh, this is a series, the fifth of a series, um, presented by Penn, and a rather picturesque word for a writer, curated by me. Uh, of evenings, early evenings, uh, with writers I like. That's really, that's what it is. Uh, it's a, uh, a chance to hear uh, a writer. I mean, I like a lot of writers, needless to say, but the ones that I thought were, would make uh, an interesting series uh, would be writers that I particularly admire, uh, who I think uh, perhaps haven't uh, got the attention that uh, they deserve. Uh, one always wants to spread the word. Uh, this is this is an evangelical operation, as anything that uh, um, that concerns literature serious literature uh, has to be. Uh, another notion uh, in this series, and it's just began this year, 
uh, we started with uh, the Turkish writer Orhan Pamuk. Another uh, idea behind the series, uh, besides what I jokingly described as writers I like, that is, of course, more seriously, writers I hope to persuade others are really wonderful writers, uh, is, is the notion of world literature. It's not to say that the series, if, if it goes on, as I hope it does, uh, won't include American writers. And in fact, among the first four um, uh, was an American writer, uh, Norman Rush. We've had Orhan Pamuk, uh, who's Turkish, Norman Rush, who is uh, American, uh, W.G. Sebald, who is a, a, a German language writer who lives in England, has lived his adult life in England, writes in German, and uh, a Canadian writer was the last person a uh, month or so ago, uh, Anne Carson. Uh, n normally, I'm not the uh, person who has the conversation with the writer. I just have the fun of of choosing the writers and writing the, the, the blurb on the, uh, uh, the card that you get. This time, as you may have noticed, since I was doing it, I, I didn't write it. I quoted somebody else, the critic and poet Stefan uh, Stanislav uh, Baranchek. But as I say, normally I, I, I don't think it's my job to do this, and I, I'm also interested very much the other uh, part of this, of, of, of this concept uh, and that's why it is sli it's slightly embarrassing, although very much something I wanted to do for me to be the conversant tonight, is to introduce a, a great reader, uh, an exceptional reader, uh, who would enter into conversation uh, with the writer. And uh, we've had uh, three great readers. We, one of them we, we used, I used twice. Uh, Richard Howard, uh, James Wood, who's here tonight, and did uh, both Norman Rush and, and Sebald, and uh, for Ann Carson, uh, the West Coast's greatest reader, uh, uh, Michael Silverblatt. When I say greatest reader, I don't mean uh, reads more than anybody else. I mean me reads smarter, more eloquently, and more thoughtfully. Uh, and of course, Great writers need great readers, and this is very much part of the process. And I say reader rather than critic. Of course, all of these people are critics. But that was the idea, to, to pair an exceptionally endowed, very special kind of interlocutor um, with uh, a very, very distinguished and interesting, uh, and perhaps not as well known, but who is, who is good is really as well known as he or she should be. There's no limit to it. Uh, to pair those two people together. Okay, now, so tonight, uh, greedily, I preempted this role for myself because I have a very particular uh, enthusiasm for this writer uh, whom I, uh, of whose existence I learned very, very recently when Farrah Strauss and Giroux brought out this big book, big novel, called uh, Book of Memories. It turns out that Peter Nadash has been writing a very long time. Uh, there are lots of books. Um, he is, of course, uh, 
needless to say, greatly admired in his own language, and Hungarian literature is a, an exceptionally rich literature by all standards, not just by small country standards. Uh, he's extremely well known in Germany, where all his books are translated and, and published. He's really, really famous. He's considered somebody every reader knows. And he's not, hasn't been up to now, uh, properly translated and published in most other European countries, although obviously that's going to change. But now we have the privilege of um, reading him in English. It's, we're starting with a later book. There's an, there's an earlier novel uh, that was written and published before a book of memories. Its title is The End of the Family Novel. I only uh, can tell you, since obviously I don't read Hungarian, what I've gleaned from looking at uh, uh, in bookstores and catalogs in, in, in French and German. There's also in French a uh, collection of stories called uh, no less than the Bible, La Bible. I don't know. I assume that that's what it's called in Hungarian too. There are, as uh, far as I know, three plays. Mr. Nadas has had uh, a long uh, relationship with the theater and those of you of course who know uh, who have read the Book of Memories know that the leading character uh, is involved with the theater world of East Berlin, which without uh, wishing in any way to suggest that this is an autobiographical novel, uh, was the case with Peter Nadas uh, in the early 1970s. Um, the, there are also uh, books of essays uh, in his own country, he is uh, well known as a political debater and commentator. Some of you may have seen, I know I was surprised to see this because I didn't know this about him, uh, actually an op-ed piece in the New York Times a couple of months ago about uh, Hungary uh, joining NATO. In my uh, delirious uh, entry into the world of a book of memories, I somehow found it difficult for about one minute to think that he actually paid attention to such trivial things as whether Hungary should join NATO or not, but apparently in his own country he does. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is a novel which has meant a great deal to uh, people who have read it, and I can, I can verify this not only by my own reaction, uh, I've, I've rarely, I've really been so excited reading a contemporary book. I, as Peter Nadash told me, he proved of this very much. When I finished it, I started it again. Uh, and that's only happened to me a few times in my life. At the minute I finished a book, I actually wanted to read it again. Um, and it's been greeted generally with that cheap but uh, unavoidable word, uh, masterpiece. In fact, if I think back, I may be wrong, I don't remember this kind of uh, adulation and almost euphoria greeting a, a European book, which we, most of us, I know there are Hungarians in, in the audience here now, but forgive me if I am addressing myself obviously only to my fellow English language uh, readers. 
Uh, I don't remember a reaction to a book quite this euphoric and um, sort of over the top since a, a very long time ago, uh, Marguerite Yersenar's uh, Memoirs of Hadrian. It's perhaps the last time that mm. I remember a book being greeted just with that feeling of somebody doing something that was absolutely extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult, that went someplace that that you, as a reader, uh, had never been, and was a work of of, to of total accomplishment that one couldn't imagine questioning. You just accepted it. It was like nothing else you ever read. Even though, of course, everyone is going to quote, cite rather, all the usual uh, big names: uh, Proust and Mann, and so on, and Musil, and so on. Have, of course, all been been cited in reviews uh, of Peter Nadash's book. Um, I, I will just sit down in a minute and play my other role, because usually I introduce it and then go away. Uh, but I just want to say that this book, uh, it does exist. <laughs> there will be other books translated. And a couple of people have said to me, or in my earshot anyway, that they are finding it hard to sometimes in some stores, particularly Barnes and Noble stores, that it's that doesn't seem to be stocked. Uh, I have checked. This is um, just some clerk who's not willing to help you. The book is in every bookstore in Manhattan that you would expect it to be in. Uh, every bookstore that sells um, new books, serious books, including the Barnes and Noble stores. So there is there shouldn't be any problem if you don't already have a copy uh, to find it. And it is, in fact, doing very well. How could it not with the kind of uh, reviews that it's gotten? Okay, last uh, little detail. Uh, as you've undoubtedly noticed, um, there are three people up here. Uh, there's Peter Nadash, who's come this week, uh, the beginning of the week, from Budapest, and will be going back exhausted uh, on Sunday to Budapest and to writing, having done his duty. Uh, and next to him is uh, Janos Faleman, who is his stepson and uh, lives in this country. And, uh, uh, and he is uh, Mr. Nadash's uh, sidekick and translator. They've obviously done this number a lot. And I have to say, they do it very, very skillfully. When I, when I met Peter at the beginning of the week, I was prepared for a lot of stops and starts, but uh, it all goes uh, very, very uh, smoothly. Uh, his languages are obviously Hungarian and German. I have a hunch he understands uh, more English than he lets on. But um, he will be uh, speaking in Hungarian. Janos will translate it for me and for all of you. And when I speak, he will translate it mm -hmm. uh, back into Hungarian for Peter Nadash. Okay, so let, now let's start. So, um, Peter, the idea of this uh, is to get you to talk. There's a little so bit of a... <laughs> There's a little bit of a, 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 a special dance because because Janos must translate everything uh, back and forth. But 
I only want to uh, say things that will get you to say much longer things. <laughs> so, um, let me just start, however, um, I hope this is the right way to start, but let's, uh, let's say we can always jump to another path. By um, sharing with the audience something that you said to me at the beginning of the week when we first met, um, I told you how much, well, I didn't tell you how much, I just said <laughs> uh, that this book was a big event for people. It's, uh, this is just not another very good book. This is a book that uh, makes you f feel, well, great literature is still alive. I mean, it sort of uh, adheres to a standard uh, proposes a standard of literature that one didn't uh, one didn't think anyone was attempting now or capable of attempting mm. and besides that on a very very human level it it uh, has meant uh, a lot I'm not going to tell these stories but I know that it that the stories it tells have meant a lot to uh, a number of friends and acquaintances of mine uh, who have read the book And you said to me, and this is what I want to start with, uh, so you can contradict me, uh, you said to me that you were surprised that, that this book could mean so much to American readers uh, because the cultural context out of which this book is written is so alien to Americans. And I said, I rarely get a chance to get on uh, my patriotic high horse. I said, oh, don't underestimate American readers. I mean, we read Dostoevsky and we, uh, you know, we, we, have a, we have a stretch. We can do it. <laughs> uh, and we quarreled a little about that. You thought that was very American of me to think that an educated reader could just kind of wander all over the place in his or her head. Uh, and in fact, you even said, well, I mean, you've got Shakespeare. You know, you practically said to me, I don't want to misquote a word, but it, it was something like, well, you've got Shakespeare. Why would you be interested in a Hungarian writer? And I said, but your book is closer to us than Shakespeare. I mean, Shakespeare is our language or the highest standard of our language. But the, but the world in a book of memories is actually m closer to the world we live in, even here in New York, than Shakespeare's world. But that isn't the question. The question is not whether it's our world or not. The question is that one enters the world. And that's what literature is, the experience of literature for those of us who are devoted to it means. So obviously I am um, relying on a notion of world, that there's such a thing as world literature, or that the experience is international. Again, granted, there's a language loss in translation, but I'm not talking about that anyway. Uh, that's not, I think, what you were talking about either. Uh, so I wondered if you wanted to comment on that, if that might be a good way to start, that you, you, feel, um, you feel this book is very Hungarian, and who are we to say it isn't, but we feel it's very available to us, and that surprises you. 
nagy kérdés. It's a big question. Tulajdonképpen három kérdés, három nagy kérdés. Basically, it's three different questions, three big questions. Amelyek összefüggenek egymással. Az egyik az, hogy lehetséges-e még az elbeszélés abban az értelemben, amilyen értelemben a 19. században lehetséges volt. The first question is whether narration itself is possible in the sense that it was possible in the 19th century. Másrészt, hogy ez az elbeszélés <coughs> ahhoz szükséges-e, hogy valamit megtudjunk az emberről? The, the second question is whether this sort of narration is important uh, for us to, to find out something important about human beings. Vagy hogy ismert dolgokat a szórakoztatására elismételjünk. Or uh, simply repeat known elements uh, just to amuse uh, the public. Mi, mi, miközben írtam ezt a könyvet, ez volt az egyik kérdés. Tehát, hogy én nagyon sok 19.-18. századi irodalmat olvastam, leginkább azt szerettem, hogy ennek van ma, van-e egyáltalán ma valami fajta jelentősége, valami lehetősége ennek a típusú irodalomnak. While I was working on this novel, uh, this was one of the most important questions that came up that I Uh, read quite a bit of 18th, 19th century novels, and uh, the question whether this sort of storytelling has any relevance today uh, was always in the back of my mind. A második nagy kérdéscsoport az uh, nem annyira kérdésekből, mint inkább kijelentésekből és helyzet egy helyzetből áll. The second uh, group of questions is uh, not so much questions, but uh, assertions and uh, observations a group of observations perhaps az hogy mit jelent az irodalom a szabadság és a szabadság hiányának az állapotában uh, ugyanazt jelenti what what does literature mean in uh, the presence and in the absence of uh, freedom tehát egy demokratikus társadalomban ugyanazt jelenti e mint egy diktatórikusban whether it means the same in a democratic uh, society as it means in a dictatorial uh, system. Egy fasiszta diktatúrában ugyanazt jelenti mint egy szocialista diktatúrában. Does it mean the same in a fascist uh, political system as it means in a, uh, a dictatorial uh, or a socialist uh, political system? Tehát ezek mind-mind kérdések voltak, és miután uh, én egy izolációs helyzetben éltem, miután az ország izolációban élt, miután az egész földrész, a közép-kelet-európai földrész izolációban és diktatúrában élt. So these are the questions and since the country itself lived in isolation and the whole region, Central Europe, Eastern Europe lived in isolation. Számomra természetesen adódott, hogy a 19. század vagy 18. századi elbeszélés hagyományait a túlélés érdekében használnom kell. I, it seemed to me, it, it seemed to me natural and I took it for granted that uh, the 19th century, 18th century techniques are necessary for the sheer survival. Uh, 
Egyszerűen azért, mert a nyilvános diskurzus, a nyilvános elbeszélés az hazug volt, tehát olyan eszközöket kellett keresnem, amivel a hazugságot meg tudom kerülni. Uh, simply because the uh, uh, public discussion, uh, open public debate was a closed road, I couldn't uh, uh, travel, and therefore I had to find ways to get around this uh, problem. És csak ebből a szempontból tett kíváncsivá, vagy ebből a szempontból is, alapvetően ebből a szempontból tett kíváncsivá, hogy vajon egy amerikai olvasó, aki a diktatúrát csupán hírből ismeri, vagy mint menekült ismeri, mint bevándorló, vajon mit kezd egy ilyen könyvvel, amelyik a szabadság teljes hiányában született. And it was partly for this reason that I was interested in how an American public who only knows uh, dictatorship from uh, uh, hearsay or uh, perhaps the immigrant population knows from first-hand experience, how this public would react uh, to a novel like this. Uh, let's go back to the, the first uh, uh, part of what you said. I, th I think it's... I think it's easier about uh, whether narration is possible now. Um, whether, as you put it, 18th and 19th century techniques are still uh, valid. Um, but I, I mean, from my own point of view, uh, It, I, I don't see how one would think they were invalid. <laughs> uh, but the question is not as if there is one technique. There isn't a 19th century way of telling a novel. Um, I mean, if just take, uh, well, two names I assure you, very well known to American readers, Tolstoy and Dostoevsky, um, they seem to us and to many people, I know they do in Russia, to present almost alternative or opposing <laughs> ideas of how to write fiction. I, I remember, um, I don't know a single Russian with whom I have not had, in fact, this discussion. Um, Nabokov, uh, of, of course, adored Tolstoy and hated um, uh, Dostoevsky, uh, Joseph Brodsky hated Tolstoy and loved Dostoevsky. In fact, I, rem I remember Joseph Brodsky explaining to me once why Tolstoy was no good. He said, uh, Susan, Susan, he always said your name twice, um, from Dostoevsky, Kafka, from Tolstoy, Margaret Mitchell. Tolstoy, Margaret Mitchell. So I, uh, I, I think, first of all, there is already a, a, a great plurality of approaches and techniques that are offered to us by the great narrations of the past. 
it isn't, it isn't as if it were simply pre-modern and then now. Uh, every uh, great writer makes his or her, her own choices, of course, by temperament and by talent. But uh, I don't see, I, what I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is I don't even see this as a, tr a true issue. I know it's an issue that has been raised in other arts, for instance, in music. There was a time when the most talent, some of the most talented and admired serious composers said, we cannot write tonally anymore. That is exhausted. We must uh, go beyond tonality. But uh, it seems to me every important 20th century writer is both connected to the past and trying to adapt these techniques to contemporary material or contemporary sensibility. In fact, of course, you have no choice but to do that since it's you who is writing it and you are, of you are hinged to your time. You can't be not of your time. I, I, think, I think for... Um, for your readers, for the readers of uh, Book of Memories, uh, the, the book seems old-fashioned in the best sense that it has, um, it has big ambitions, it has big themes, but it's hard to imagine such a book not being written now in these decades. So I, I think I would, li I would like to ask you to say a little more about what you mean about narration. I mean, it, how could one not still want to give readers narrative, description of nature, description of eros, um, understanding of political and historical and social life as you do in your book? Változatlanul ugyanott kell maradnom, mert nem tudok erről a pontról elmozdulni. Mégpedig ott, hogy, hogy más regényt írni a diktatúra, és más regényt írni a szabadság, politikai szabadság körül. I, I have to insist on this point that it, it is it's a different uh, uh, thing to write a novel under the conditions of dictatorship and under the conditions of uh, an open democratic system. Az európai irodalomnak természetesen ugyanazok, vagy európai amerikai irodalomnak természetesen ugyanazok a szerzői állnak itt is és ott is a rendelkezésünkre, de ha mint egy kémiai reakcióba bedugjuk az egyik rendszerbe, <laughs> akkor máshogy viselkedik, mint a másik rendszer. Naturally, uh, both the American and European uh, public uh, to, to both these publics, the same literature is available, but just like in a chemical experience, if you uh, put two different uh, materials in the same uh, substance, uh, you might get different results, and you, you will get resu different results. És éppen abban a pillanatban, amikor én ennek a regénynek az írásához fogtam, ez a klasszikus tradíció 
legalábbis a magyar és az európai irodalma egyáltalán nem volt divatos. And uh, when I started to write my book, uh, not only in the Hungarian but in the European, uh, on the European scene, classical literature, 18th, 19th century, in that sense, was absolutely out of uh, fashion, or it wasn't on the scene. Tehát, ha jól értem a kérdésedet, akkor nekem arra kell válaszolnom. If I understand your question correctly, my task is here to is to answer. Hogy a diktatúra körülményei között miért pont ezt a tradíciót választottam, és miért nem mást? Tehát miért kellett uh, szemben a, a Dostoyevsky Kafka vonallal inkább a Tolstoy Margaret Mitchell-t választani? That uh, I have to answer the question: Why is it that I uh, writing against uh, these conditions of dictatorship uh, I chose uh, uh, not the Kafka Tostoevsky line but the Tolstoy Mitchell uh, line Egész egyszerű a válasz gyönyörű egyébként ez a paralelitás és nagyon örülök neki This is a beautiful neki. parallel and, and I'm very uh, happy with this parallel <laughs> Well, I think you did both. You see, that's of course why the book is so amazing. You actually did both, but I, I think I understand. Igen, de van egy akcentus, és ez az akcentus nagyon fontos. Ez nem elhanyagolható. But there is an accent which is very crucial. Tehát az, hogy a Dostoevsky Kafka világ az egy that the Dostoevsky Kafka world is an isolated world itself. Tehát egy izolált szerkezetet ad. It, it yields an isolated structure. Nekem pedig az a, az a dolgom, vagy az volt a dolgom, hogy ebből az izolációból valamilyen módszerre, tehát találjak egy módszert, amivel ki tudok törni, tehát kívülről meg tudom magamat nézni, magát az izolációt, és azt, hogy hogy viselkedik benne az ember. I considered my task to find some sort of method which would carry me outside the walls of this, this isolation and allow me to take a look back. Ez egy. Kettő, hogy a, a háború utáni irodalom éppen azért vált, tehát azért ment el a Dostoyevsky Kafka irányba. Uh, the second point is that uh, the uh, literature following the second war uh, it uh, went into this Dostoevsky Kafka direction exactly for the reason mert nem tudta földolgozni azt az érzelmi megrázkodtatást ami a, amit a háború jelent because it simply couldn't uh, deal with that emotional uh, trauma which the war meant nekem viszont az az egyetlen lehetőség volt egy tartós diktatúrában, aminek nem lehetett látni a végét. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I think my only way open in this uh, uh, dictatorship, uh, which didn't seem to, did nobody believed that it will come to an end, my, the only possibility left for me was... Hogy a, szerk- a saját szerkezetemet ne egy zárt, izolált szerkezet törvényei szerint építsem föl, hanem az érzelmek, vagy az erotika törvényei szerint, amelyben egyáltalán az, ember szaba, az emberi szabadság még minimális szinten megnyilvánulhat. That uh, I couldn't resort to the uh, 
elements of an already closed structure, uh, but I, I uh, was forced to resort to elements which uh, were building from emotional and even erotic uh, elements, which made it possible to break through this isolation. That is ez a harmadik pont. Azóta is szeretnék arra a kérdésre választ kapni, de hát erre a kérdésre nem lehet választ kapni, hogy vajon megírtam volna ezt a könyvet az izoláció hiányában, a szabadság körülményei között, illetve ha nem, akkor hogyan, vagy akkor mit írtam volna, vagy, vagy hát egyáltalán mi lett volna, ha a nagymamám négy kereke lett volna. Uh, the third point is that is whether I had been able to write this book under the conditions, under different conditions, under conditions of freedom. Uh, but of course, this question is not uh, something that can be answered. Uh, uh, so uh, it will just remain a matter of speculation. Tehát nekem az egyetlen utam az volt, hogy megtagadjam a saját vonzalmaimat, a háború utáni európai irodalom iránti tiszteletemet és vonzalmaimat, a mestereim iránti tiszteletemet és vonzalmamat. So the, my only possibility was to uh, deny uh, my natural affinity to uh, the literature of the period following the Second World War, and uh, even uh, go against the masters which I, of literature which I admired in, in, in from this period. Uh, and make a break with the uh, either emotionless or over emotionally overheated uh, uh, tradition of literature and uh, take a step back uh, to previous tradition which was simply uh, emotional but not excessive. De nem azért, hogy, mert mintha érzelmes lennék, az vagyok, nem azért, mintha érzelmes lennék, hanem azért, hogy ezen az úton az érzelmeknek a nyelvén, vagy az erotika nyelvén ki tudjam rajzolni azt a szerkezetet, amit más eszközökkel nem, le, nem volt lehetséges. I did this not because I'm fundamentally an emotional person, but because this seemed to be the only possibility to to uh, step outside uh, the structure and uh, uh, delineate uh, the, the structure which I felt was uh, my own and uh, uh, was uh, important to me to express. The, the when you speak of the sort of the natural temptation or, or, or affinity of uh, certain post-war writers who would be in this, let's use the shorthand now, uh, Dostoevsky, Kafka uh, line. Uh, may I assume that it includes uh, Beckett and Bernhard, for instance? And Camus. Yes, and any others that, that you felt might more naturally... Not, not UNESCO. De hát magyarokat, akik also Hungarians, számomra nagyon fontosabb who, voltak, például Mészői Miklós, Miklós Mészői, who, who meant a lot egyenesen a Camus 
Kafka vonalban áll. Who is a straight descendant of the uh, Camus Kafka line. Mm. When um, when you talk about the difference between writing under uh, conditions of freedom and writing under conditions of dictatorship, obviously it would be uh, presumptuous of me to try to talk you out of that distinction, because, but although I think... I think there is an argument to be made about, uh, 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 and I don't make it as an American, I make it as someone who has listened to other writers who have lived under dictatorships, particularly in Russia. Um, but I won't follow that line. I will just ask you the following question. Clearly, you cannot imagine what it would be like to have written a book of memories in a condition of freedom. I, I want to um, uh, mention something that I, that I, kn that I know that's, uh, that's often said about this book that some of you may not know. Uh, Peter Nadash began this book in the early 70s and he finished it in the early 80s. So he's, um, and uh, he had a long, difficult, complicated battle with Hungarian censorship for it to appear, which it did. It did appear in Hungarian, which obviously was its first publication unlike some books in written under dictatorship which sometimes appear first abroad and even in translation. Uh, this book did appear in, in Hungary uh, in its own language uh, in 1986, but it had been finished for several years. And uh, you can imagine the anguish of a writer uh, who has written a book in which he's poured everything he knows and feels and can imagine accomplishing and then have this obstacle that it couldn't be published. I mean, this was a fight that he won. He won for a number of reasons, one of them being, of course, this dictatorship was starting to unravel. But uh, he is, when he's talking about this, and I don't know the concrete stories, I just know the general idea, he's talking about a very, very specific experience where you write and you can't get published. Uh, so he had to know that he was going to, at the very least, have a fight to, to get this book published when he was writing it. And it, it's a book that took, as you can well imagine, those of you who have read it, a very long time to write. This is not a book you write in two or three years. So it was more than a decade of his life to write this book. And then the question was, could it be published? Yes, it was. But all the time you're writing, you never know whether it is going to happen. And who knows? Who would have predicted 1989? Nobody knew that all this was coming to an end. So, of, like, of course, I don't ask, do you think about or could you describe to us how it might have been different had you written this book in other circumstances, say, in exile? That's not a question I'm going to ask. Uh, it's, in a way, irrelevant. But I will ask you this question. Now you do write under some approximation of the condition of freedom. And you have been working for some years on another book. 
and I want to make my question as discreet as possible. I'm not even asking you to tell us what this book is about, although, of course, we're all dying to know. I just say, is the process different for you? Is it diff Do you actually feel now that your way of writing or your way of thinking about literature is different since you now in Hungary know you can publish anything you want and also you have an international audience and obviously one that will grow and grow in the coming years. So you are safe, <laughs> as safe as anyone can be in that sense. You, can, you know what you write, you can publish. Uh, there are many senses of freedom. This may be uh, not the most important uh, or deepest sense of freedom, but you know that from your, your pad of paper, your typewriter, your word processor, whatever, it will eventually be a book in bookstores. You can be sure of that. And perhaps you couldn't be sure of that um, uh, or when you were writing a book of memories in the 1970s. Do you feel, because this would be the test case, not to imagine how the book of memories could be different, but how this, I this your idea of literature evolves now in conditions of freedom. You felt that you had to be responsible to a certain larger social reality. You didn't want to go the Thomas Bernhardt way. I mean, I suppose he thinks, thought he was being responsible to reality, but not in the sense of epic portraiture, which in fact you do do in Book of Memories. And I also want to say parenthetically, again, more to the audience than to Peter Nadash, that I have read in a number of interviews and um, things which reflect his view that he is disappointed when foreign reviewers, perhaps that's what he means when he questions our ability to understand his book fully, that they focus too much on the private story. I mean, there are, there's not one, but several very great stories of uh, intense, private, erotic relationships. I've never read um, descriptions of lovemaking and of erotic attraction uh, more powerful and more original than the ones in Peter Nadash's book. And of course, this has been um, focused on in a lot of the reviews. The, it's, it's a great erotic book, and it's a, an extraordinary the original book about erotic experience. Um, and I've heard that, that Peter Nadash has been annoyed or frustrated that whole parts of his book, of his intention, uh, which deal, for instance, and I, and I say only for instance, um, the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, where the, in, in which the principal narrator of the book, there are three narrators, there is a principal narrator, uh, is a high school student uh, at the time at, in 56 and participates in a demonstration. Uh, I've also heard from Hungarian friends that they had never read any account of what it was like to be in a demonstration in 56 as, as accurate, um, historically, politically accurate in the most complex way, as these sections of a book of memory, and yet, a book of memories, and yet uh, it's true, perhaps, 
that American reviewers and American readers feel a little, um, I don't think it's that they don't get it uh, up to a point, but they feel a little dumbstruck. They feel they really can't comment on it. They don't have the authority to comment on it. It's not that they don't see it's there, uh, but probably it is true that the other aspect of the book is something that people find easier to talk about. And now that I've heard uh, what he said mm. now, I understand better uh, why he felt annoyed about these reviews not emphasizing the political and historical analysis and portraiture, this epic side of the book. But um, let's say that the book does both things. It's that kind of ambitious book. It represents a certain idea of literature which Peter Nadas, not I, uh, is willing to describe as in some sense retrograde, in some sense looking back, perhaps more looking back than had it been written in conditions of freedom, precisely because he wanted to describe this larger social reality, to find a way to describe it. But again, now that the conditions under which a book of memories was written no longer obtain, do you feel that your idea of literature has changed as reflected in the long novel you're working on now? And I don't mean you have to talk about that, but, you t but I'd like you to talk from it. Um, and more, it's more specifically, and I'm just following now what you say, do you feel um, liberated in some way to use certain specifically 20th century ideas of literature which you felt you had to renounce in order to do what you did in a book of memories? Az ember végül is nem tudja, hogy mi, miért történik vele az életben. Szóval nagyon mindenféléről tud, de hogy bele mi, miért történik, ezt nem nagyon tudja. One after all doesn't quite know why things happen to him uh, or her in, in, in their life. Uh, he, he might know about things happening around him, but uh, not necessarily what's why is it happening to him. Ez szerintem egy nagyon nagy szerencse, mert tehát, hogy nem nem látjuk magunkat tökéletesen, hogy nincs tökéletes reflexiók magunkra, nem tudom, mi lenne akkor. Perhaps it, it is a great uh, fortune that we do not have perfect uh, self, the ability to self-reflect uh, in a perfect way. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what would happen to us if we did have this. Ezért aztán a másik ember a reflexiós felület. For this reason, it's the other person who is the uh, uh, sounding uh, board of reflection. És a másik embernek is vannak másik emberei, akik reflexiós felületek. And it goes on and on. The other person has other uh, persons uh, on, in the line, which serve such sounding boards. És így aztán létrejön egyrészt az emberek között egy nagyon szoros viszony. And uh, this, on the one hand, leads to a fairly uh, close uh, connection between human beings. És hogy mindegyik képes erre a szoros viszonyra, az összeköti őket. And the, this very capacity 
uh, of indirect uh, self-reflection uh, uh, forms this connection, this network of connection. Amikor én elkezdtem írni ezt a regényt, akkor abból indultam ki, hogy ez az összekötő, ez a szenzuális szint. When I started to write the novel, uh, my original assumption was that this uh, uh, network of connections. Ez a diktatúra körülményei között is biztosítja az ember szabadságát. Uh, can serve to ensure freedom even under the condition of dictatorship. Tehát a diktátornak nincs beleszólása abba, hogy én hogyan nézek rá valakire, vagy valaki hogyan néz rám. That this, this is a territory where even a dictator has no entrance uh, and cannot oversee how I look at a certain person, how that person looks at me. Yes, most. <laughs> Tehát ebben nem tud beleszólni a diktátor, de hát egy csomó más dologba beleszól, ami szintén ugyanúgy az életemhez tartozik. Tehát az én ki... Bocsán. Uh, so, this remains a territory uh, which the dictator... I, this, this mic isn't working enough. I mean... I think it went too far in, in Yeah, no, no, because his mic must really be up because there are people back there really can't hear. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Can you hear me now better? Okay. So uh, maybe I'm leaning too close. Okay. Uh, so the dictator has the capacity to enter my life in many ways, of course, but uh, there is this territory which uh, remains uh, unavailable to the dictator. Tehát a kérdés az, hogy a szabadságnak milyen lehetőségei vannak, a szabadság meg, az, az individuális, individuális szabadság megteremtésének, diktatúra feltételei között milyen lehetőségei vannak, mit tudok szabaddá tenni magamban. So, the fundamental question is, uh, what are the possibilities of individual freedom under the condition of dictatorship, when, where everything is done in order to limit this individual freedom? És ezek a szabadságtörekvések, amelyek minden individumnak a sajátja, hogyan kapcsolhatók, vagy kapcsolódhatnak egymással. And that these, uh, these uh, longings and these efforts, uh, which, which is a natural impulse on the part of every individual towards freedom, Where, where these efforts can join together uh, to actually achieve some sort of uh, extra individual freedom. Ez volt a kiinduló pontom, amire a, reg- a regény végére értem, és összekötöttem a historikus politikai társadalom történeti, kultúrtörténeti szálakat. Uh, az individuum é- belső életével és erotikus életével addigra kiderült, hogy nem olyan szabad az individuum. So this was my original question, and by the time I reached the end of the book and, and uh, tied the uh, <coughs> threads of political, cultural, historical uh, 
uh, events with the individuals' uh, uh, stories, it turned out that uh, the freedom available to the individual is not is nearly non-existent. It's not nearly as as great as it uh, seemed. Tehát tulajdonképpen a, a, a hipotézisemet nem tudtam megerősíteni a könyvvel. So the working hypothesis turned out to be not something that could be reinforced by the conclusion. És ez nem csak a diktatúrára érvényes, ez igaz. Uh, this, is, this seems to be true independently of uh, uh, the question of dictatorship, a universal conclusion. A leginkább az ember az emberek erotikus viszonyaiban látszik ez meg, ami van egy törésvonal, kelet-nyugat, észak-dél, tehát a viselkedésmódból eredően van egy törésvonal az erotikus viselkedésben is. Uh, perhaps the most uh, obvious manifestation of this limitation is the uh, Uh, watershed or dividing line which which separates uh, east and west uh, and different cultures uh, in a matter of uh, erotic uh, questions. Egyszerűen azért, mert a, az individuumnak a saját magához való viszonya más. A reflexiós rendszere más. Más lát magából és más takar el önmagából. Simply because the very relation that the individual has uh, himself or herself varies with culture, uh, uh, from culture to culture, uh, the, the content, the very content of self-reflection uh, varies. Mivel azonban én ezt a könyvet a diktatúra körülményeiről írtam, a diktatúra körülményei közepette, but since I was writing this book about uh, the condition, conditions of dictatorship under the conditions of dictatorship. És a könyv megírásának az egyik hajtó ereje, hajtó motorja az individuális szabadságvágy volt. And since one of the driving forces behind uh, this book was uh, the individual longing for freedom. A könyvnek bizonyos pontjain döntésekre kényszerültem, esztétika és morál között. Uh, at certain turns in my book I was forced uh, to uh, into a decision between morality and aesthetic. Ezek elég nehéz döntések voltak és általában nem a radikalitás felé, tehát a, az esztétikai radikalitás felé, hanem inkább a morál felé mentem el. Olykor úgy döntöttem, hogy nekem fontosabb a morál, mint a, mint a könyv esztétikai értéke, akár. And at these uh, points of deliberation, I typically uh, sided not with a radical aesthetic uh, point of view, but, but uh, with a moral point of view. És ez tiltásokat jelentett. Az, hogy egyszerűen bizonyos kérdésekben nem mentem bele, which uh, went hand in hand with certain uh, uh, denials, uh, with certain uh, uh, accepting, acceptance of forbidden territories, which I didn't allow myself to enter. Amitől például ma már semmi nem tarthat vissza, vagy nem tart vissza. 
which today do, do not seem forbidden territories anymore. Tehát ma azt mondanám nagyon primitív módon, hogy nem az ember, amikor a szerelmével együtt van a diktatúra vagy a demokrácia, akkor is áthatja minden, minden sejtjét és meghatározza a viselkedés módját. Az erotika. Igen, nem. A, az erotika a két ember, a két ember kapcsolata. Uh, today I would say that whether it's dictatorship or, or not, uh, today I'm quite convinced that there is simply no aspect of the individual the relationship between individuals which is not permeated completely down to the mm. last cells by the given uh, political system on under which the person lives whether it's a dictatorship or a democratic system a kérdés az hogy erre reflektálni tud vagy nem tud reflektálni szerintem reflektálnia kell és meg kell keresni a reflekt the question is whether that person can or cannot or able or not or not able unable to reflect on these conditions but I'm I believe uh, he must reflect on this and he, he has to find ways to do that demokratikus körülmények között a szirodalomnak vagy a művészetnek egyetlen morálja van az esztétika uh, under condition of democracy the uh, the only morality that art uh, or literature has to observe is, is, is aesthetics. It's quite different under the conditions of dictatorship. So to return to the original question, uh, since the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, is I'm quite certain that I, uh, on the one hand, work do my work in a more radical manner, but also in a more calm and relaxed way as well. That nem kell hősiesen azt mondanom magamnak, hogy én inkább az esztétika, az esztétikai törvényszerűségek és az esztétikai radikalitás mellett szeretnék maga maradni, de mégis. I no longer have to play the, uh, some sort of a hero who sacrifices uh, those aesthetic uh, discussions which he would like to enter, but uh, instead enters moral uh, uh, deliberations. So you would say that this book that you're writing now, which is was begun shortly after Book of Memories was finished in the, in the 1980s, but is but is continued now because it's, it's eight years, nine years, no, eight years, since uh, the old system collapsed. Uh, 
reflects another idea of literature that is available to you now, or which you consent to, which you agree to work within. It's not that you couldn't have before, but you didn't consent to, and now you do. That there is another idea of literature that you're working with now in this book, in the, in the new book. So you think your ideas about literature are, uh, have to be a response to what you understand to be a larger situation of freedom or unfreedom. Of course, we would say if roles were reversed, we have our own unfreedoms, so it's not as if it's freedom versus uh, dictatorship. But I want to stay with your point of view. If this is freedom, if you live now in freedom, then you think your idea of literature must evolve and has evolved as reflected in the book that you have continued to write. You began in the old period, but you continue to write in this period. Amikor ezt a könyvet befejeztem, akkor a diktatúra még messze nem omlott össze, még volt néhány éve, és mégis elkezdtem valamit, ami, ami radikális, gondolom én. Uh, when I finished this book, a uh, dictatorship was far from uh, collapsed, uh, yet I, I uh, was uh, completing something quite radical in my, in my view. Éppen azért, mert az emlékiratok könyvének az írása egy negatív tapasztalattal ért véget számomra. Mégpedig azzal a meggyőződéssel, hogyha azt a demokrácia nyelvére lefordítom, akkor ez azt jelenti, hogy a jogegyenlőség az nem jelent föltétlenül szabadságot. And, uh, this És a jogegyenlőségtől az ember nem föltétlenül szabad, bár hajlamos azt hinni, hogy igen. That's a, that's a long story for us, too, but obviously... Uh, let me go back to the literary model, though, because we st should stay closer to that and then have a few minutes where you can respond to uh, questions from people here. Uh, I, since I don't know this book and I don't know your other books, I just know Book of Memories, two of the plays, and uh, the earlier novel, I don't know, obviously, the book you're working on and many other writings. Uh, but would you say that, uh, when you say radical, uh, these are very crude distinctions, but one is, uh, let's say, radical in terms of certain uh, themes or subjects uh, and the way in which those subjects are dealt with, um, the intensity, uh, the, the take on those subjects. That's one thing. Another is, um, and this is, again, a very crude distinction, the, the fictional technique, uh, whether it's more explicit and condensed and elliptical or whether it's more expansive or epic. Um, 
do you feel that, that, that this also is evolving for you? Because you talk about radical and uh, uh, obviously there is a, uh, one of the things that seems radical in a book of memories to me and a number of readers is the erotic um, part of the book, the erotic material in the book. Uh, why is it radical? It's radical because it stays with the feeling. I mean, the most radical thing about it is simply its extensiveness or its expansiveness. I mean, there are wonderful, um, there are wonderful descriptions of erotic feeling in, in our literature. Uh, a number of writers, uh, uh, descriptions of nature also. They're marvelous descriptions of nature in Book of Memories. What seems most radical is the way you don't let it go, the way it seems as if any other writer would stop here and you, you go on for five more pages. And when you go on for five more pages describing someone's body, for instance, you go someplace that no writer has gone about in describing what it is to be attracted to a, a human body. Um, it's one of the um, it's one of the sexiest books I've ever read in my life, and there is, with one conspicuous exception, no sexual act is literally described, and the one that is literally described is something extremely unpleasant and uh, uh, seen by a, a horrified child. Uh, but what is told from the point of view of someone reveling in erotic experience is both unbelievably present and not descriptive in any way that one has seen before. And, and so that seemed very radical. What seemed radical was the extensiveness of it, the, in, the, the intensification. It just gets more and more intense. It's not in any way repetitive. It just keeps on going, and you say, well, there can't be any, anything more. But there is, and more, and more, and more, and deeper, and deeper, and more and more doors open. This seems radical. It seems radical as not because um, it's about sex. I mean, we're drowning in explicit erotic literature uh, in a way that your book isn't explicit at all. It's radical in the way that it takes erotic feelings seriously. Um, the way it, it, it takes it as a very profound experience. I mean, the only thing perhaps comparable to it, but I think it's Peter Nadash has gone way beyond it, is some passages in Lawrence. But this goes way beyond that. But taking mm -hmm. Eros seriously, if you wouldn't think that's too clumsy a phrase, seems to me very radical uh, in this book. Uh, so it's partly, the, as I say, the extensiveness. I mean, one should mention, of course, I, mean, I know most of you have read the book, but some of you haven't. It's a long book. And everybody who, who talks about the book says, well, you know, buckle your seatbelt, you know, it's a long, it's a long ride, it's a, it's a big book. But it isn't a big book just because it's a big book. It's a big book because its length is really part of what it is. It's the idea of going further and further and further. That seems to me very radical, seems to me very satisfying to a reader. But it, it seems, I, I would be very sorry to hear that you had abandoned that idea and now you are going to write very short novels like Thomas Bernhardt <laughs> and uh, because you didn't have to push the reader in this way. I, I say push away. 
yeah, keep yeah, on uh, being it's radical in this way because it, it is, it's not that it's anything you you write about hasn't been written about countless times and countless times by great writers. It's what one has to say, and the way one says it. Um, and it's this, the book generates, a, I, I think, a unique uh, intensity in whatever it describes. There's a passage of somebody walking along in a storm, and you've just never read a description of what it is to walk along outdoors in the middle of a storm, like that. And it does go on and on and on, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. That kind of intensity, I find, I have difficulty in, in, in imagining is really a response to anything, whether it's democracy versus dictatorship or the state of literature or anything else. I think it just comes from one's own uh, sensibility or to use a term that is surely very suspect, but i rather rather fond of it, one's inner freedom that you had the inner freedom to be expressive in this way. And part, as I say, part of the expressiveness is simply the length of it, that it keeps on going. Is that an idea that you feel is still valid for you as a writer uh, in what you're doing now or what you think of doing in the future? Nem tudom, hogy mennyire lehet durva szavakat használni. Basszás. Nem lehet. Hogy. És most. Meg kellett kérdeznem, hogy milyen szavakat lehet használni. He had to inquire what sort of words are allowed to be used in this room. Any word you want. Mert szerintem bármilyen szót lehet használni, de nem mindenki vélekedik így, tehát senkit nem akarok megsérteni. In my view, any word can be used, but not everybody shares this opinion. Yes, everyone, that's the rule of this. És hát bizonyos dolgokat nem lehet finoman kifejezni. Egy történetet szeretnék elmesélni, egy barátom, aki két éjszaka két nap alatt és két éjszaka alatt elolvasta a kéziratot. I had a friend who who finished reading the manuscript manuscript in two days and two nights. Egy retteget irodalom kritikus, hát ez mégis csak 1400 oldal volt. He was a feared literary critic. Azt mondta másnap reggel vagy harmadnap reggel, miután végzett a könyvvel, hogy itt megállás nélkül készülődsz egy baszásra, ami soha nem következik be. That this book is is basically a long preparation for a fuck which never takes place. Now, most, pontosan erről van szó, amit mondasz, hogy bizonyos pontokon, tehát bizonyos pontokon ez a könyv megáll. Tehát bizonyos pontokon nem voltam elég radikális. Tovább kellett volna menni, és tovább lehet menni. Uh, so in that sense, this book actually was not uh, too radical, and there are points uh, where it stops beyond which you can one can go. Na most, hogy miért áll meg? Annak ellenére, hogy hogy nem áll meg, és nem kellene megállnia. Uh, the question why it stops, and uh, even though it shouldn't stop. 
Annak valóban nem a diktatúrában vannak az okai, vagy nem uh, a kereshetők. To answer this question, uh, indeed has nothing to do with dictatorship, and the, the, the reasons should not be looked for. Nem inkább kulturálisak. Tehát a kultúrának van, van egy tiltásrendszere, és ezt a tiltásrendszert például szóhasználatban egyszerűen nem merészeljük átlépni. This is much more a matter of cultural uh, context, uh, which dictates certain uh, rules, which we simply do not dare uh, transgress. Két véglet van, az obszenitás vagy pornográfia. Uh, there are the two extremes, uh, uh, Obscenity or pornography, vagy a hallgatás, illetve az utalásnak a rendszer. És ez a probléma nem új, hanem több ezer éves, tehát nem... Tehát a latinok óta tulajdonképpen ez probléma, az európai kultúrában. Az erotikáról önálló nyelve a görögöknek volt, azóta nincs nyelv. A language of their own, as far as erotic language is concerned, were the Greeks, and since then, uh, that is not the case anymore. És a Romeo és Julia nem a szerelemről szól, ez egy tévedés. A Romeo és Julia egy szociális problémáról szól. So, for instance, uh, Romeo and Juliet is really not about love. It's it's a uh, it's about a social, historical, social political uh, problem. Az egész európai irodalom szerelmi ábrázolása, szociális problémák ábrázolása. Uh, in general, uh, in the entire history of European uh, love uh, stories is really a story of social uh, strife and uh, social description of social context. Holott a szerelemről, nem a szexről és nem az szexualitásról, hanem a szerelemről mindenkinek az a tapasztalata, hogy abban a pillanatban, amikor a szerelem állapotában van, akkor a szociális kötöttségei legalábbis meglazulnak, vagy egy időre felfüggesztődnek. Which is strange because uh, the general uh, experience that uh, we all have is that precisely in the state of love uh, we are liberated from social context, not from not in the state of sex uh, per se but, but in the state of love uh, we are no longer bound by social uh, limits mert csak ez az egyetlen emberi állapot amikor az individuum egésze egy másik individuummal együtt van igénybe véve because this is the only state in which the uh, individual as a whole uh, is uh, relating to another individual and and uh, on both parts the whole individual is needed for this interaction. Tehát az én, az én ötletem vagy az én elképzelésem inkább az én elképzelésem az volt és a mai napig az, hogy kiragadni a szerelem ábrázolást vagy az emberek viszonya, viszonyainak az ábrázolását a szociális kötöttségek ábrázolásából, illetve, illetve meghúzni azokat a vonalakat, amelyek összekötik azzal. So my uh, original conception for all, for the reasons uh, I mentioned was exactly to uh, <coughs> sort of hijack uh, love from the social context uh, on the one hand and on the other hand to once this is done to make the 
possible connections which can be made between these two so different uh, which uh, in plain English means that love simply doesn't have a language. Uh, lovers are very limited and uh, simply unable to inform uh, the other what is going on within him or her. Lehet, hogy még akkor is így jó, vagy így van rendben, hogyha rettentesen szenvednek attól, hogy nem tudják elmondani. Perhaps uh, this is uh, how it should be, uh, even if they are suffering uh, because of this uh, inability to express themselves. Az én elképzelésem minden esetre az, hogy ennek teremthető egy önálló nyelve, <coughs> még akkor is, ha nincs, a köznyelvben sincs. Nonetheless, I, I, my conception is that uh, it is possible to create uh, a language of love, uh, even if uh, it is so conspicuously missing from a public discourse. Tehát egy nyelv, amelyik nem obszén, és nem hallgat el. This would be a language which wouldn't uh, go to any uh, toward any of these extremes. It wouldn't be obscene, but it wouldn't also be a language of silence. És elég reflektív ahhoz, hogy ne tévessze össze a szabadságot a jogegyenlőséggel. And which would be reflective enough so that it wouldn't uh, mistake uh, equal rights or justice with freedom. Perhaps it's time to uh, have a few questions. This is going to be difficult, uh, and the, the, what's most difficult is is for uh, for Janos to translate. I mean, I, I think there are quite a few Hungarians here. I, I, I see Hungarian friends here, and I know there are other people that I don't know. They may want to say something, but. Uh, I, I guess uh, we'll try it once and see if it works from there, and otherwise the person should come forward who wants to ask a question. And we'll do that for about 15 minutes. Yes. I have two questions. Two questions. You did not answer a question which was very important. Ez egy nagyon fontos kérdés, szám, hogy, hogy, hogy ez csak egyik. Most megismétlődik a kérdés, hogy mindenki hallja. Tehát, hogy nem válaszolta a kérdés, hogy, 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 hogy mi a különbség a szabadság és a diktatúra körülményei között írni. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Does he want to uh, answer that? Make a comment on that? That's the question. That he wants to say something. See, that's an answer. Look, he feels he has. Oh yes, yes, he definitely wants to answer it. Then it's some another important question. It's it's a question which is very important to him. 
Azt hittem, hogy válaszoltam rá, de lehet, hogy nem. He believed he answered this nem, question, but nem elég plastikusan. A szabadság állapotában, vagy a demokratikus szabadság jogegyenlőség állapotában mindenki önmagáért felelős. Under the conditions of democracy or uh, uh, liberal democracy, everybody is uh, responsible for his or her own uh, being. Ezt a felelősséget, ezt az önmagamért való felelősséget, ami természetesen egyben másokért való felelősséget is jelent. This responsibility, which of course includes responsible others. A diktatúrában elveszik tőlem. Uh, is simply taken away uh, in a dictatorship. És van, akik elveszik tőlem, és vannak azok, akiktől elveszik. So there are people who who are being deprived of this uh, responsibility and then of course on the other side there are those people who are taking it from you. És ez egy óriási különbség, tehát ez két emberfajta. And uh, this is a tremendous difference involving two different kinds of uh, existence or human beings. Vannak akik azért gondolkoznak, harcolnak, dolgoznak hogy visszaállítsák az individuális szabadságjogokat. There are people who <coughs> devote their life to restore these individual freedoms. És vannak, akik azért gondolkodnak, harcolnak, dolgoznak, hogy stabilizálják a diktatúrát. And on the other side, there are those who uh, devote their energies, uh, intellectual uh, and physical energies to Azt, ma- maintain this uh, dictatorship. Azt, hogy, hogy hova tartozom, az egy morális kérdés. On which side you belong is a moral question. Vagy éppen egy financiális kérdés, de hát mindenképpen egy kérdés. Or a financial question, but uh, in a final analysis it has to be a moral question. But I think that the point was how it affects writers, not just an abstract. Uh, because we have heard a lot about the difference between dictatorship and democracy. Yeah. Erre nem lehet válaszolni így, mert hát én azt az életet éltem, amit éltem, és most azt az életet élem, amit élem. A kettő között van egy kapcsolat én, 
de hát nem tudok visszamenőleg elképzelni egy másik élet. It is it is very hard to answer this question because uh, there was a self which lived then and there's a self which lives now and there's a, there's a continued continuous connection between these two parts and I find it very difficult to turn back as if and, and examine this previous self as if this continuous connection didn't exist. Tehát a könyvben rámutathatnék pontokra, oldalakra vagy bekezdésekre, ahol még tovább kellett volna mennem, de nem mentem tovább. Uh, on the other hand, I think I am in the position today to actually point at certain passages in the book or certain uh, decisions which I made then, which uh, where I would have, should, should make a different decision today or I should uh, transcend those points where I stopped. De nem akarok rámutatni, mert a tanító bácsikat már gyerekkoromban utáltam. <laughs> But I do not want to do this because uh, I had an aversion to school teachers even in my childhood. that this conversation is actually very interesting because I have, I've been urging uh, Peter Nadash to a little bit abandon his uh, uh, sense that everything is so determined uh, socially, culturally, in terms of national culture. But now that I hear him, I realize there is, in theory, quite a difference between, I think, most people in this room, including myself and him and may perhaps be precisely to be identified with the fact that one of the cornerstones of the ideology of liberal democracy is that you, there is some space between you and the public. There is a space, and not just in sex, but also in certain forms of art and other things, friendship and uh, experience of nature and many other things that people would consider actually the greatest values where you do float free. It's uh, where you are not simply the product of your uh, circumstances and an oppressiveness, because we who live here, of course, are aware that this is not this freedom is could be described as very oppressive too. Whereas he, although obviously a complete opponent of dictatorship, still is reflecting one of the cardinal positions of of society under dictatorship, which is that ultimately everything, the, the, the public sphere penetrates or permeates everything. It's not, it's not for us, I think, to say it isn't true, but it's strikingly different from the assumption which we make or are taught, which is that we have some space uh, that is not shot through and through and through uh, with public values and public imperatives and public and inhibitions and self-censorship that comes from the public sphere. It is precisely our society that tells us we're not totally swallowed up and the dictatorship under which he lived most of his life which told him that he is even though he's an opponent of it. So now he is Uh, lives in a country which no longer has a dictatorship, however imperfect its government, ours is imperfect too. Um, but he still maintains the same position, which is that he, he feels himself responding all the time to, let's put it very generally, the condition of freedom around him. Whereas I think lots of, of uh, Western European and North American writers, well, American writers in the largest sense, the Americas, would say, 
Yeah, my, I have a lousy, I, I'm a country with a lousy government, so what? I mean, I, I deplore it, I fight against it, and so on, but as an artist, I have independence. I don't make my decisions in a fundamental way because of what I think about the society I live in. That certainly is what we think, whether we are just victims of an immense uh, delusion, you know, we think we're free and we're not free at all, and we're in fact exactly in the situation he describes. That's a long story, but I think it's interesting that he is actually reflecting the point of view that is fostered under dictatorship, though obviously an opponent of dictatorship. Ez nagyon igen, szóval nagyon ez nagyon sok igazság van, amit mondasz. There's a lot of truth in what you are saying. Ez tényleg egy tér probléma. It's a spatial question. És nem csak olyan értelemben, hogy Európa az nagyon sűrű. A geographical question, not in not only in the sense that Europe is such a small and dense. America is meg nagy. And America is big. This is part of the problem. Hanem az a lényeges különbség, és ez nagyon fontos, rettenetesen fontos tudni, hogy van egy ilyen különbség, hogy ezért a térért egy diktatúrában meg kell dolgozni. The the essential difference is that it is very obvious that under conditions of dictatorship, you you must fight for that space that you are talking about. Ez nem tehát a törvényekből vagy az együttélés szabályokból nem következik. It doesn't, you cannot derive this simply from the rules of coexistence or from legal framework. Mindenkinek magának, aki úgy véli, hogy a diktatúra nem jó, partizán háborút kell folytatni, ezért a térért. Everybody who descends under the conditions of dictatorship has to be a partisan of this cause, which is fighting for for the space. És a függetlenségi háború körülményei között tekintetben kell vennem mások igényeit is. And while I'm waging this war of independence, I have to constantly keep other human beings in the back of my mind. I have to consider other human beings as well. És azért, mert a politikai rendszer megváltozott, én az életem első 50 évének a tapasztalatait nem tudom elhagyni, nem tudom eldobálni. Just because the system has changed, I'm not, it doesn't enable me to simply throw away the first 50 years experience that I'm carrying. Mint ahogy egy amerikai Budapestre vagy Prágába jön, ami elég gyakran megesik. Just like when an